We'd like to invite all of you to visit our video streaming site, www.bestvolleyballvideos.com. Today we're going to talk about specialization. Uh, when I do clinics, a lot of the times I have a saying that, that goes something like this, that specialization is the enemy of greatness. And um, it's interesting to talk about the, the subject of specialization because it really has two parts. And I think one of those uh, areas is completely dependent on the other. And there's sports specialization, which is you know players choosing a sport uh, at a young age, specializing in that sport. And then there's also player specialization. And player specialization is players playing just one position in the sport of volleyball or any sport and uh, focusing on that just that position. And as a country, we are uh, historically a multi-sport country. I mean, when growing up in schools, uh, we've always encouraged our, our student athletes to play a lot of sports, especially at a younger age. You know, they'll play, you know, when I was in high school and even in junior high, I played uh, football in the fall, I played basketball in the winter, and I played baseball in the spring. Uh, later on in college, I, you know, I ran track in the spring. So we're a country uh, that has always encouraged multi-sport athletes to be multi-sport athletes. And I think one of the things as we start talking about volleyball, we want to look at is, you know, how relevant is that to the development of the volleyball player? And uh, I'll talk first about sports specialization because I think one of the things that we look at across, across the line, across the board, is that if our athletes are playing multiple sports, you know, they're going to end up being better college basketball or college football or college volleyball players. And I think I want to I talk a little bit about that. I want to examine that first because uh, I think it, it leads to another area, uh, uh, which is player specialization. And I think one directly affects the other and in a positive and a negative way. The idea of, of sports specialization, I think, is one of the things that we still don't have a great read, I think, on, you know, at what point should an athlete uh, give up multiple sports and concentrate on one sport? And I think it happens in certain sports at different times. I mean, if you're a football player and you, uh, you know, you're a running back or you're a wide receiver, you know, you, you might run track all the way through college because track makes you faster. It makes you better at your position. Um, or you might be a shot putter or a discus thrower and, and also a football player. So the work, weight room work that you do for those skills supplements the stuff that you do uh, on the football field. And I think one of the things that we have to look at as volleyball coaches is at what point does specialization in volleyball, uh, you know, become something that benefits a student athlete versus hurting a student athlete? And I think one of the things that uh, we hear a lot about is that the the more, and I'm going to use the word quote, the more well-rounded a player is, you know, the better they ultimately are as a player. And I think we have to look at, uh, we can look at, at history and we can look at, uh, you know, the, the mythology of, you know, the, the great athlete, you know, playing multiple sports and going on to fame in the NFL or the NBA. But we can also look at reality. And one of the things that we look at, we talk about um, sports specialization is that when players, when, when adolescents are young, uh, girls have a tendency to mature faster than boys, but this goes both ways. 
there's a lot of benefit from being a well-rounded athlete. There's a lot of benefit from playing sports where throwing is involved. There's a lot of benefits from playing sports where running is involved, where there's quickness, um, you know, where there's hand-eye coordination. All those things play into the development of a growing and developing adolescent athlete. And I think that's one of the things that we have to look at across the board because if you look at the volleyball athlete, you know, there comes a time, and I don't know the magic number on it, but my my feeling is that about 14 or 15 years of age, you know, you if you've been involved in multiple sports from a young age, you have six or seven or eight years of uh, multiple sports behind you. You've participated in a lot of different sports for a long time, uh, even at the age of 14 or 15, because most kids start playing youth soccer when they're very young. They play softball or t-ball when they're young. They play basketball when they're young. I mean, everybody tries out a lot of sports when they're young. And so one of the things that you do is you get a lot of experience over time in those sports. And, you know, that's, I think those things are all good. I mean, I think across the world, nobody would argue that young children shouldn't play multiple sports, whether you swim or whether you play soccer, whether you play softball or whether you play basketball. I mean, those are all things that go into, you know, go into developing players who can end up ultimately end up being great volleyball players. And I think one of the things you look at is, you know, if you play softball when you're young, then you've got a good arm and you can throw. And spiking is literally just throwing with your feet off the ground. If you played soccer and, uh, you know, you you were a skilled soccer player, then you're going to have good feet. You're going to be able to move well. And volleyball is a game that the ball doesn't come to rest between contacts. So movement skills are really, really important. If you played basketball, you know, and you're a blocker, you know, your hand-eye to the ball is going to be very important. So, you know, you're going to see a lot of a lot of great middle blockers in volleyball were good basketball players. Uh, and they can also they can jump off one leg hit slides so it's one of the things that you look at when you look at at uh, sports specialization that there comes a time that you there comes a time that you decide that the ability to train for your single sport on a regular basis and I'm talking about athletes who want to be college volleyball players or athletes who want to play volleyball to highest level you know there comes a time when they don't they don't continue to share the year every year with two or three other sports because it ultimately takes time away from their training and one of the things that you have to look at is you know time is of uh, is of the essence you know if you're if you want to get a scholarship time is of the essence if you want to be a professional volleyball player in college because the colleges are so limited by how much training time they have because the NC2A rules and so you know and time is even of the essence when you're a professional volleyball player because you play most of the year in a, on a pro team overseas or you know hopefully in the United States in the future and then you have your summer spring summer or summer fall with the national team you're always you're always pressed for time and so one of the things that you have to look at is you know at what age does the specialization become important uh, as opposed to being a multi-sport athlete and I think you know there's no magic there's no magic for it but one of the things that we look at within the sports performance program is you know we want players uh, to start thinking about being volleyball players on a regular basis, you know, when they get to be 15, 14, 15 years of age, because that still gives us time four to five years to give them the opportunity to be as skillful, as well-skilled as possible and to be as skillful, skillful in all areas that they, that they need to train in uh, to be good collegiate players. And I think that's one of the things that, that we look at a lot. And I mean, the U- United States has... 450,000 high school volleyball players. There's another 200,000, about 200,000 high school club volleyball players. And so we have more volleyball players playing 
in the United States than any other country in the world. I mean, more than any other country in the world. And, you know, the club system in this country spends more dollars on developing players by playing in clubs, paying club dues, traveling to tournaments, than all the rest of the countries in the world put together. I mean, we are, you know, we are the, the largest spender. It's got to be a multi-billion dollar a year industry when you take into account how much parents have to spend to go to tournaments and fly their kids here and fly their kids there. And, you know, that structure, uh, which should be questioned dramatically at this point, is a podcast for a different time. But the one thing that, that even with all those players, the 450,000 high school players and the 200,000 club players who are training year-round, and America has the greatest athletes playing volleyball. I mean, it, it, on the women's side. It, they have the best athletes in the world playing volleyball. But since 1964, when volleyball was implemented into the Olympics, the United States women have never won a gold medal. And again, we're going to talk about that later. But one of the things that we have to see is maybe the system that we're involved in right now isn't the best way to train volleyball players because it's not working. It's not, it's not producing all these gold medal players. And there's a lot of reasons for it, which will come later, uh, which we'll talk about in a, in a different podcast. But uh, the topic today is specialization. And so I think one of the things that we look at is, you know, we, we traditionally have been a country where we have encouraged athletes to play as many sports as possible for as long as possible. And then, you know, they, they generally special specialize in volleyball at a later time. And one of the things that that has done is it's created dramatic position specialization within our sport. And, you know, that leads me to the topic of specialization is the enemy of greatness. And, um, you know, one of the things that we have to look at with all this great athletic ability, with all these numbers playing volleyball that literally have never, you know, that, that, that counter everybody else in the world. I mean, you know, Serbia is one of the favorites to win the Olympic gold medal on the women's side. Serbia. I mean, we have states that have, you know, I mean, Serbia is, is you know, we have states in this, in this country that have more athletes and even better athletes possibly than the Serbian national team has. But again, it goes back to volleyball is also a game of skill, high level of hand-eye coordination skill, great quickness, great athletic ability. So it's not just athletic ability. So one of the things to, to I really want to dwell on is how do we train our players? And, you know, I've talked in past podcasts about that, but one of the things that we have to look at is, um, you know, we're, we have great, we have these great skills or are these great athletic these great athletic players you know in physical from the physical point of view but the skill level is not as high as players in in the rest of the world and for the most part you know those are players who specialized in volleyball at a much earlier age they were probably multi-sport athletes but generally you know if you go around the world when people choose what sport they're going to play you know, in most other countries, it's, you know, it's at a pretty young age because they find what they want to do and they join the club system. And, you know, we're the only country in the world that has so many kids playing sports within the scholastic uh, side of it. I mean, most countries in the world have club systems. Uh, you know, you don't play sports in school. You go to school to become educated. You join clubs to participate in sports. And so one of the things that we look at is how in the world um, have we gotten to this point? And I think the, the biggest reason is we have always been a country 
that has encouraged kids to play as many sports as possible, as long as possible, and to specialize at the last minute. And one of the things that specialization has really done, you know, late specialization has really done in this country, is it's forced us to to really focus on position specialization. And that's that's what one of the things that I think that we have to look closely at. And that's the reason that we're not winning more gold medals. I mean, it's not that we don't have the athletes. It's not that certain athletes don't have the skill, but it's that in this country, we want, as soon as somebody starts playing, they join a team. And when they join a team, they get ready to go play in a tournament or they get ready to go play. And we're, we're a country that doesn't love to practice, but we love to compete. And I've touched on that in some other, in some other podcasts about how much, how much American kids play versus how much they practice. And we really have the whole model backwards. But again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get more in depth in that later at a different podcast. But one of the things I want to think about is I want to talk about player development because the, the, and the reason that, that we struggle in player development is because we are so specialized. I mean, we have summer camps. Uh, I work every summer at camps, and I'll have kids come into a camp, and maybe they're middles. They literally have never served a ball. They've never played a rotation of back row ever in their life. And in practice, they go to one court and block and hit or something like that. Uh, but they don't have any fundamental of all-around skills. And I think one of the things that uh, you look at is, you know, how do we... In this game of volleyball where the ball moves from one player to the other, how do we develop a set of general basic fundamental foundation skills and then start to specialize? And one of the things that I've always advocated is that everybody should become good at all the skills. Everybody should become good at everything. And then what you do is you specialize to become great at a few things. And one of the things that we've done, because we have so many kids in this country that start playing volleyball at such a late age, and I'm talking about, you know, you may be a multi-sport athlete and you may not play much volleyball till you're 14 or 15 years of age. When you're 14, 15 years of age, your motor skills are pretty well developed. You know, you've played a lot of sports. You have a lot of hours in multiple sports, but you have very few hours in volleyball. And then one of the things that you do if you're a good athlete, if you've been a good athlete and, you know, a multi-sport athlete and the clubs have recruited you or done other things, they throw you on to an, an elite travel team and you go off and you start playing at a pretty quickly. I mean, you don't you don't have a year or two of training. You don't have a couple of years to develop your fundamental base. You just go and you play. And another thing we know is that when we pick these teams and we go out and play and we play in all these tournaments that we want to win these tournaments. I mean, so what happens is you get put on a team of 12 people and that means your practice training in in, tra- in practice that your training model is, you know, there's 12 of you, so you're dividing reps among all these other players as well. And if you're not a passer, you might not pass at all. If you're not a, you know, you might if you're not a middle, you might not ever hit a high set. You might not ever play any defense. So you get you get pigeonholed into this one position where you can do what you have to do well, but there's a lot of things that happen during a game that you can't do well because you don't do those things. You don't practice those things. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, the, the, the reason that the U.S. system is so specialized once you start playing volleyball is because we start playing later. 
than a lot of countries. We have less overall experience, uh, training experience and training hours than a lot of other countries. So even though we have these great all-around athletes who are really good in a lot of sports, you know that's never going to win you a gold medal. It's not going to make you a phenomenal passer. It's not going to make you a great left-side hitter. I mean, what's going to make you a phenomenal passer is passing millions or hundreds of thousands at least of balls under difficult situations, you know, in difficult body positions, you know, all all over the court. That's going to make you a great passer. And doing it for years and years and years on end and doing it under pressure of competition. But most importantly, laying a, a strong foundation for you to, to have great skill on. And, you know, or if you want to be a setter, you know, you have to see not only it's not only setter training and setter reps, but you've got to be in those competitive situations. You've got to be in those reading situations just thousands and thousands of times. So generally a lot of American players who come late to the party as far as as far as, you know, position goes, you know, they don't get the well-rounded training. They go right into what their position requires. So it goes back to that middle who comes to camp and says, you know, I've never served a ball. I've never played any back row. And here's a, I guess here's a classic example of, of what I would talk about. And, you know, if you start even, I've seen this even, you know, you, you, you watch a 12 and under team and 12 and under team, you got the five, nine kid in the middle who goes up and just bangs, bangs that high middle set, crushes that middle set all the time. And then what happens is, you know, you look at that you know, and then she comes out for the Libro in the back row. And then you look at that kid three or four years from now, and, well, she, she's only 5'10", and, you know, she's too small to play middle, but she spent two or three years, and she never played back row. She never passed. So at the, at the most important stages of development, when you're young, when you first start, if you're not performing the skills that you're going to perform at a later time, then you're not going to be ready to play the game at the highest level. And that's one of the things that you see a lot. And a lot of it is just how practice is organized. And, you know, you look at, you know, just a, a simple skill like overhand passing. I mean, you know, and I'll, let's break it down to the, 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 the most simplest form. You know, if my team is playing your team and I give every first ball to your setter, if I give every first ball to your setter, well, your Libra is not going to get to every ball. I mean, there's going to be other people that might have to set the ball. And, you know, what are the setting skills like of everybody on your team? I mean, general overhand skills. I mean, can they locate the ball to a position on a regular basis? I was watching uh, uh, the finals of the Brazil Super League, the Women's Super League, uh, last night on, on video. And, uh, you know, Thais uh, Menez, who's M Menez, I think is her name, who's like a 6'4", 6'5", Brazilian middle, who's been in multiple Olympics. You know, she's playing in the middle on one of the teams that's in the, in the finals. And, you know, they have her set left side, right side. I mean, when the ball comes up, you know, they don't have the Libra run flying in. I mean, the ball's up in the middle of the court, you know, she and she drops two great back sets, and they go up in the opposite, just takes great swings at the ball, and she's a middle. But, you know, she's played in a country and in a system where everybody has to be able to do everything. Everybody has to be able to perform all the skills. And this is how you have the best volleyball players developed. Another thing is that you can change positions easily. If you grow up doing everything, one of the things that you have the ability to do is you have the ability to, to, to transition from one position to the other because you have basic fundamental foundations. And I think that's one of the things that we have to look at is, is how can we have a lot of really good volleyball players. And then how do you specialize those players to become great? And I'm going to say if you talk to Karch Karai of the USA women's team, if you talk to other coaches, they're all going to say the same thing. You know, the players who play every position for us, you know, they, they should or they could or we wish a lot of them were, were more well-rounded. They could do more things. And, 
You know, I remember having a conversation with a former Olympic a gold medal winning coach a few years ago about the Japanese and about all the little things that they do that allow them to be competitive in international sports. They can cover the ball out of the net. They can all set the ball underhanded, every player. You know, they can all, you know, they can all play the game at a, at a high level. They can all pass a short serve. They can all do everything. There's no, there's no glaring weakness that you can pick on to make sure that other than their size, which they're, they're not going to be big, but other than that, there's no glaring weakness. And I think it's one of the things that, you know, we look at. Now, one of the things that uh, is, is called into question a lot is the substitution rules. And the substitution rules, coaches complain all the time at the international level about the substitution rules. And, you know, they're, they're always saying if the U.S. would implement the international system where you can only sub six people uh, six total times in a set, you know, that would solve a lot of the issues. That might solve a lot of the issues, but it would destroy the the junior volleyball structure that we have right now it would destroy it it would it would destroy at every level because kids would have the far less kids would play volleyball because they wouldn't have opportunities to play so one of the things that you know we have to think about as as a volleyball society in this country as a culture is you know and i happen to believe that the substitution rules are good i'm a former you guys know i'm a former college football player and football has become more much more specialized over the years it's a much more exciting product to watch now than it used to be and volleyball if volleyball went to more substitutions it would be more exciting because middles wouldn't have to go in and serve and play back row at all but that's not the case but i think that's you know we really don't need to dwell on that nearly as much as we need to talk about, you know, what we do at a young age to give players good mobility. And I think part of the, part of the question, and I'm going to ask all of you this as either club directors, coaches, or high school varsity coaches, or you know, at any point, any organizations that you run, are you willing to lose now so you can win later? Or do you need to win now knowing that you may lose later? And I think one of the things that you have to look at is, in, in our program, here are our simple rules. When you're in our youth academy, in our younger levels, you, know, you have to play six rotations. Small kids have to play front row. Big kids have to play back row. Everybody has to have some fundamentals of the game. Everybody has to understand how it's played. And one of the things that y you see is if you're going to specialize right now, and specialization is absolutely the easiest way to put competitive teams on the floor. Just have a few people pass. Let those kids do all the passing in practice. Just have a few people hit left side. Let them hit all the left side balls in practice. Just have the middles block in the middle and hit quick or, or middle sets in practice. You know, those are absolutely the easiest ways to win at a young age. They're the easiest ways to win. But if that's all you do when you're young, then when you get older and the game gets to be played at a much, much higher level, you know, those weaknesses that every player will have from not being trained as, as a holistically as an all-around volleyball player are going to come back to haunt you. And it's just the way, it's the way it works. And, you know, there's no question. I mean, you see this even at the junior level. I mean, there's some teams that they have great youth programs or they have great younger teams. Uh, you know, they might win a lot in 13s or 14s, you know, but they're not winning 18 open championships. They're not winning 17 open championships and, and vice versa. So I think you have to decide what's the most important thing for your organization. But if we want to talk about developing the total volleyball player, we have to look at what can every player do? Can every player be functional in every skill. And I don't mean you have to be great at every skill, but you have to be functional at every skill. And I think that's one of the things that people don't realize. And, you know, this this idea of specialization, I believe that, you know, this this 
this emphasis in our country for players to play multiple sports as long as possible. And then when they do come into volleyball, you know, they're in a hurry. I mean, they don't have, they don't have a lot of time to, you know, to prepare themselves because they generally come into volleyball for one reason. They want to get a college scholarship. And so, you know, the idea is put them in the area that they have the best chance to get a scholarship and then train them in the areas that are needed for them them to get the scholarship and then get them off to college. And, you know, and at the college level, you have 15 subs. And so, you know, college coaches who, you know, have these great dynamic outside hitters, uh, you know, what are they going to do? I mean, they don't want to get fired from their jobs. So, you know, they're going, and they have 15 subs. So they're going to have those players, you know, those great front row hitters, they're going to have those players come out in the back row, which the substitution rules allow that. And, you know, it's the, the college game is a, it's a, it's a pretty game. I mean, if you watch it, there's a lot of long rallies there's a lot of great backcourt play uh it, you know it doesn't transition well to the international game and a lot of people who love the international game don't like the college game because there's so many players who are so specialized and you know they don't like the skills of they don't like the skills of the game they don't see the you know these big hitters who are great in the front row aren't coming flying out of the back row and hitting the ball because they're not even in there they're subbed out but you have a lot of great rallies taking place. And so to me, college volleyball has evolved to a little bit like um, uh, football. I mean, it's, it's, it's much more specialized. But the players who play those positions are very good at their positions. And we have a lot of great front row hitters in college. And there's a lot of opposites that hit the ball hard. There's a lot of left side hitters that hit the ball well. There's not a lot of left side hitters that can pass at a high level. And there's not virtually no opposites that can pass at a high level. And that's because, you know, they don't have to. There's all these all these DSs and Libros who you know want to be on a college roster and they pass better. I mean, it's it's you know if you look at football, you know Dick Butkus was one of the greatest football players ever as a middle linebacker for the Chicago Bears back in the '60s and '70s. But he would he would rarely see the field right now because with all the spread offenses and all the passing in football, he wouldn't be out there. He'd be too slow. And so the, the game has evolved. Football has evolved. It's it's a much more exciting game than it used to be uh, because the players are so specialized that they're they're great at what they do. And that's the one difference in in between college football and the NFL. The defensive players are so fast uh, because they're they're positional and they're situational. But I think one of the things that we have to look at as coaches is if we're willing, if we really want to have great teams, and in our club, we want to have a great 18 elite team and we, we want our our juniors and seniors to be well skilled so they can go off and play in college we've had a lot of outside hitters who become libros we've had middles who become outside hitters uh, we've had middles who have passed on their college teams but we spend a lot of time in practice on players doing everything but when we're young, it means that we're not going to win many 14 <laughs> open championships. We're not going to win as many 15 open championships because our practice is going to be geared to much more. I mean, we're going to have our middles are going to spend a lot of time in pepper. They're going to spend a lot of time on passing movement. They're going to spend a lot of time on overhand setting. They're not going to just go to one court or go to one group and say, just do what you do. But the flip side is that, you know, when the game gets really fast and players have to do a lot of things uh, at a high level, you know, the players are able to do that. And I think that's one of the things that we have to ask ourselves as coaches is, you know, and that's why when I say specialization is the enemy of greatness is when we force these players into these confined positions where they don't do everything, it, you know, then it really affects them. And also this idea of a lose now, win later, or win now, lose later, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a common denominator. I mean, if, you, if you'll take the time and practice and understand that, you know, if, if you can't be fired for losing, then you're going to be smart if all your kids can perform all the skills. And um, one of the things that, you know, I, I'll, give you, I'll give you something to try in your own gym. 
And, you know, take your players, and I'm going to give you four, just four situations, and, 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 you know, take your players and try this, okay? And, you know, can all your, and this is one of four, can all your players play two-contact pepper? And two-contact pepper, is, it's a simple game. You put a, a player at the 10-foot line, three-meter line, and you put a player on the end line. Player at the three-meter line is hitting the ball to the player on the end line. But there's only two contacts, there's not three. So the player at the, you know, and these, this, this skill uh, require or the skill assessment goes to both of those players. I mean, the player at the three meter line is hitting in a straight line, you know, between the knees or right to the person on the end line. The person on the end line has to dig right back to the person hitting to her or him, and the ball continues to be hit and dug, hit and dug. There's no setting, you know. And we run this drill, and you know, the Japanese run this drill, and they think it's the best pepper drill in the world. And I'm not going to argue with them because I it tr- tr- requires just tremendous control. And then the better you get at it, obviously, the more power you put into it. But you've got to be able to hit, dig, hit, dig. There's no setting, and the set, you know, in pepper corrects and lets everybody get back into position. This is just dig, hit, dig, hit, dig, hit. And I'm going to venture to say that if you line your players up on the 10-foot line and the in line and you start trying to pepper in a straight line with no setting in between, uh, you're going to have a rough time. There's going to be way more shagging There's going to, and there's going to be balls dug and hit. And we run this drill. We'll, we'll dig 10. Uh, person on the in line will dig 10. And then we don't switch players. The person on the, then the person on the three-meter line becomes the, uh, the digger, and we just go back and forth. And we switch every 10. And we've had players go, I think, close to 200 reps in a row without shagging, without having to lose the ball. And that's what you're looking for is, and you're not looking for 200 in a row, but you're looking for, can every player on your team, and we want our middles. I mean, we make our middles do the exact same pepper series as everybody else. Can your middles, can your worst or your least skilled volleyball players, can they can they perform a two-contact pepper drill? Because the, the regular pepper allows you to run a ball down, reset it, and re, kind of reconnect. But to hit a ball in a straight line, and I know people talk about volleyball is not played in a straight line, but the hardest thing to do is continue to hit a ball in a straight line consistently and then dig back to the person who's hitting to you without shanking the ball to one side or the other. You know, So that's the first one. Can your players play two contact pepper back and forth? The second one is you know, get a passer and have your players in middle front. Literally stand in middle front. You know, jump at the net, turn around, have the passer pass the ball up in the middle of the court, and have a hitting line on the left and the right side, and make that player set to left front and back set to right front. And are your hitters getting consistently good swings? That means that person can set a ball to left front, right front accurately, so people can spike it and you know get kills and matches. And so you know that goes to setting ability. I mean, what kind of overhand skills does every player on your team have? Can they run that drill? Can they step in there and you know set ten balls off of a pass? to left front, you know, and then back set to right front uh, and have the ball swung at, you know, and, and have your hitting line look something like a normal hitting line. So that's the second one. The third one is, can your players jump spin serve from the end line? And it, it's not that you're teaching your players to jump serve, but all a jump serve is, is a spike that's nine meters off the net. I mean, that's all it is. And so do your players have functional footwork, functional arm swing, and functional hand contact when they attack that they can spike a ball from basically 29 and a half feet, 30 feet off the net, spike the ball over the net into the other side of the court? It's just, you know, they don't have to hit it hard, but can you spin the ball over the net? Do you ha- can you function that way? I mean, can you coordinate your, to- your toss? Can you jump and spike over the net with topspin in the other side of the court? That's, it's, just an, it's just an easy off-the-net attack drill. That's all it is. But again, 
check your players and see, and that's self-toss to yourself and see if they can do that. You know, see if that's one of the things that everybody in your team can do. And then the last thing is floor skills. I mean, when you're in the backcourt and the ball's hit to you below your knees, can you roll, dive, sprawl, side extension, collapse, whatever, whatever you teach or whatever you want to teach, can all your players get on the ground and dig a ball so it comes up? And I think that's one of the things. So these four these four skill tests to me, they determine whether you're a functional player or not. I mean, can you, you know, can you pepper back and forth? I mean, and I would say at every level in the world, and I think every good coach would agree with me, at every level in the world, every elite level middle in the world can play two contact pepper. Every elite level middle. There's no middle in the world that can't pepper back and forth. There's no middle in the world that can't set front or back setting. There's no middle in the world that can't toss a ball up from the end line and jump spin it. And there's no there's no player in the world that can't get on the floor and dig a ball. There's no player. And that's that's one of the reasons that countries like Serbia, you know, can be a can be a threat to win a gold medal in the Olympics and they won the world championships uh, you know, three years ago, is because they have you know, they have 10, 15, 20, 30 players in their country, however many they have, who are have elite level of skill, and they're also great athletes. I mean, they might not be quite as good as the U.S. I mean, Serbia does have Tiana Boscovic, who's maybe the best opposite in the world, but they have great volleyball players, and it's a small country, And but they also have great skill. They have great setting. They have great skill, so that's one of the reasons. So I think one of the things that we want to think about as coaches is, you know, when and, and you want to have a great high school program if you're a high school varsity coach. If you're a club director, you want to have great you want to have great teams. But more important than having great teams is you want the players who leave your program to be able to go play somewhere else. I mean, virtually everybody comes to a club so they can leave and go play somewhere else. And if they don't have a high level of skill, if their skill sets aren't wanted by you know by other by the next team they're going to, unless they're leaving your club and going back to high school, or they're leaving your club and going to college. If they don't have a high enough skill set for what those colleges or what those schools are looking for, then have we really done our job to the to the best of our ability? And I'm not sure that we have. So I want you to think about specialization because specialization, position specialization is extremely damaging to players. I mean, I don't think there's anybody who would disagree with that when you look down. I mean, there's no question it helps teams win, and there's no question at the highest level uh, it provides a great product. But when players, think about when players first start playing basketball or first start playing football or first start playing baseball. I mean, you learn how to perform all the skills, and you learn how to perform all of them, and you spend several years doing that. Whereas in volleyball, you may get a tall kid who jumps really well, you know, just come in from basketball, they haven't played much volleyball ever, and the first thing you do is that you're a middle blocker you're just going to hit quick sets you're just going to block you're going to come out and you're going to spend that they may get very little training in overhand passing underhand passing you know playing defense i mean just fundamental ball control skills and so uh you know those are all the things i think we have to think about as coaches and directors so you know i do believe that specialization is the enemy of greatness and i think you have to be willing to lose now so you can win later uh, because if you choose to win now you're almost assuredly going to lose later and so I think that's one of the things that we that we as coaches and directors need to think hard about. So uh, wishing everybody the best, and I'll look forward to talking again to you soon. Thank you.